You are listening to the Purpose of Money podcast, episode 11, how Nasima McElroy slayed $1 million in debt and created more freedom in her life today. You are listening to the Purpose of Money podcast, a podcast where we talk about ways to build wealth and create more freedom in your life today. I am your host, Aquania Escarnay. Welcome back to the Purpose of Money podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us, taking a little bit of time out of your week to listen to the podcast. Anyone who's new, I appreciate you for checking us out on this podcast. We talk about all things money. For those who are returning, I appreciate your continued support. As promised, at the end of episode 10, I did a book giveaway Last time we had Arlen Hamilton, a venture capitalist and founding manager of Backstage Capital on the show, and I promised to give away a copy of her book to a loyal listener. Her book called It's About Damn Time came out May 5th, and it's an awesome read for everyone, but especially those who are interested in becoming a full-time entrepreneur or an industry disruptor. I am so grateful for a few of you submitting reviews through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on my website. I randomly selected a winner, and I'm going to share that review with you now. It says, start with episode 10. That Arlen Hamilton interview is fire. This podcast is brilliant. First episode already gave me ideas I never thought of in terms of saving and investing. Moreover, it's refreshing to have a podcast hosted by a Black woman who gives practical and innovative financial advice. I want to thank you for that awesome review. It was left on Apple Podcasts. That person is the lucky winner of the book giveaway, and I'll contact them directly to give them a copy of It's About Damn Time. You guys, if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening. I'm now on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. I really appreciate the support. I'm going to continue to do giveaways and encourage you guys to leave reviews. And I appreciate you sharing your favorite episodes with friends and family. And without further ado, let's hop into this week's episode with Nasima McElroy. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode. I just wanted to take a break to share with you one quick tip on how I am creating more free time in my life today. I am a busy mom, an entrepreneur, and a nine-to-five employee. And I have to be honest, I used to use trips to the grocery store as an opportunity to relax and go up every aisle and take my time and sort of have mommy me time. But since I've taken on more responsibility and extracurricular activities, I just don't have the time to go grocery shopping anymore. So I've embraced Instacart, which has helped me save hours of my life and get the grocery shopping done without me having to step into a store. Instacart delivers groceries from your nearby grocery stores right to your home and saves you hours on shopping. You literally can do everything online or even from your mobile phone. And most of the time, they can deliver the groceries within an hour. So you get the food that you need, you save time, and you create more freedom for you to do other things, which is what I love. Check out Instacart for yourself. I have a code that allows you to earn $10 off and a free grocery delivery on your first purchase. My code is A-E-S-C-A-R-N-E-1-4-C. 
or check out the show notes where I have a special link and I'll include the code there too, just for you. Hope you try it out and let me know what you think. Welcome back to the Purpose of Money podcast. Today, I have special guest Nasima McElroy. Nasima is the founder of Financially Intentional, a platform about personal finance and living life intentionally. She discusses how taking control of her finances has enabled her to overcome bankruptcy, divorce, and break the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck. She shares her lessons along her path to help others benefit from the freedoms of financial independence. Outside of encouraging people to get their finances together, Nasima is a mother and labor and delivery nurse. Although she's made six figures for years, she struggled with money, finally realizing she couldn't out-earn her financial ignorance. She knew she had to make some changes by shifting her mindset around money, becoming more consistent and intentional. She has paid off $1 million in debt and grew a six-figure net worth in three years without living in deprivation. Oh my God, that's amazing. Nasima, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to have you. Nasima and I met, I think, through another mutual friend because we did an article together for one of my Mm -hmm. freelance clients. Then we met in person at FinCon. You guys, I talk about FinCon a lot, but if you haven't heard, it is the conference where money nerds meet. All financial influencers gather together to talk about their platforms and ways to help people like you to improve their finances. Nasima's been doing this a lot longer than me, and so I'm so glad to have her as a mentor to look up (laughs) to. And she encouraged me to boost this podcast into action because I had been planning it for quite some time. Yes. So, <laughs> finally, we have her on the show. Today, we're going to focus on how in the world did she pay off a million dollars in debt? And then I also want to talk about your career as a labor and delivery nurse, because I feel like that career choice has given you a lot of freedom to pursue some side hustles and other ventures, such as Financially Intentional and your podcast, Nurses on Fire. Before we get deep into our discussion, Nasima, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what is Nurses on Fire? Yes, so thank you, Juania, for having me. You're my mentor, so I don't know how you can be my mentor. I can be your mentor. So anyway, I really look up to you a lot. I feel like you have so much knowledge and, and just such a diverse perspective when it comes to personal finance and just life in general, living abroad, being a diplomat, all those things I aspire to. So thank you for having me. It is truly my honor to be here. Let's talk about my debt story and then we'll talk about Nurses on Fire. So yeah, I I paid off uh, almost a million dollars in debt in about three years. And that debt mostly um, was comprised of my student loans and a house in um, Northern California, the San Francisco Bay Area in particular. It wasn't like I was doing anything extraordinary. The medium home price in the Bay Area is about $700,000. So I was just doing what I was supposed to do. Um, Along the way, I went to school. I got the degrees. I got the the six-figure job. I got the house. But then I realized I made too much money to be broke. I literally had no savings. I actually owed my sister for blinds that I had to put in my house because I had 52 windows. And so... um, 
I was just tired of living in this situation where I was check to check. And um, if it wasn't for me, I had to do it for my daughter who was turning one. I made a commitment to turn my finances around, was a big follower of Dave Ramsey, did zero-based budgeting, the debt snowball, and that allowed me to pay off my debt in about two and a half years and then be able to rapidly build my net worth back up into the six-figure range um, in the next six months. So that is my debt elimination, debt freedom story in a nutshell. And Nurses on Fire came about because I've already, I already, while well, while I was paying off my debt, I had the platform Financially Intentional. And um, it, uh, that platform was just born out of me sharing my progress, paying off my debt and my lessons along the way. And it kind of just grew. But I knew that I wanted to focus on my two passions. I wanted to merge my two passions, which was obviously personal finance and nursing. I love being a nurse. I love seeing life being brought into the world every day. And I love being a patient advocate. And so those are my two passions. Why not bring them together? And so Nurses on Fire was born. It's a podcast for nurses by nurses aspiring to financial independence. And what it does is bring people like you on the podcast to share their story and how nurses can benefit from your experience to be able to accelerate to financial independence. So that's, that's me in awesome. a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> Summarize it so quickly, y'all. She just glassed over paying off one million in debt. Like, oh, I just did it in two and a half years. I need people to understand that's not easy. So no. let's kind of break that up a bit because mm-hmm. I, you know, when I hear I paid off a million dollars in debt, my mind thinks you won the lottery or you really got that sugar daddy who blessed you. So <laughs> let's if that wasn't the two options that helped you make it possible, let's talk about how you actually did it. Can you dive into that a bit? Like, did you find dollars and just pay it to the creditors? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Actually, no. And then another common question that I got was because I was a nurse, did I just like work a lot of extra shifts to pay it off? No, that wasn't it either. Really, it was about changing my mindset about my money. And really being in good relationship with what was coming in and and, um, going out every month and knowing that I was the one who controlled that. And so I just took control of every dollar. Every dollar had to have an assignment. And once that relationship was shifted, I was able to make my money work for me. So no, I didn't work extra. No, I didn't have a sugar daddy. I didn't have an influx of money. I just was really intentional about my money. And to bookmark, I mean, to bookend, I'm sorry, my journey. In the beginning, I did have a condo in Southern California that I sold that netted me about um, $100,000 that I was able to pay towards my debt. But that was before I was really on this journey and it paid it off some um, stuff that I considered debt, which was like the loan that I took against my retirement account to put a down payment on my house and then some other miscellaneous things. And then that was gone. <laughs> And but it didn't touch my student loan debt, which at that time was about one hundred and eighty thousand dollars. But with interest, when I ended up paying it off, was over two hundred thousand um, dollars. And then at the end of my journey, when I got close to the end, I, I owed about fifty thousand dollars, and the fifty thousand dollars mostly included um, during the time during those two and a half years 
I went through a divorce. So I had to pay to get out of my divorce. And then I had to um, pay the IRS $30,000 because the way I was aggressively paying down debt and not focusing on um, tax optimization, (laughs) I owed them $30,000. And so when I was close to the end, so I was about $50,000 left. I had about $50,000 left in debt. I ended up selling my house in Northern California, which paid off the rest of that balance. So I hope that answered your question. But throughout that, the way that I paid down the debt was, like I said earlier, I did zero-based budgeting, meaning that I gave every single one of my dollars an assignment, which I had never done before. And like I said, I had a six-figure salary, but at the end of the month, I used to not have anything in savings, and that's because I didn't have a plan. So with that plan in place, I was able to, on average, pay about $6,000 a month towards my debt. With uh, the debt snowball, it gave me a strategy of what debts to attack. So the the debt snowball is to list your debts out from smallest to largest, paying the smallest balance first while paying minimum payments on the rest and aggressively attacking that smallest balance debt. So since I had that plan, I knew where that debt, I knew where that money needed to go. It was already assigned in advance and that $6,000 I was saving would go to pay that that debt and the next debt and the next debt. And it gave me so so much momentum and I had so many small wins along the way that it really, really motivated me to keep on going. Like I was like so intentional about every single dollar. Like if I got a check in the mail for $5 and you know, we get those every once in a while. Mm -hmm. I was like, yep. I know where this is going to go. And like, it was one month that I had made so many payments towards my suit loans that I went online to make a payment and then the portal wouldn't accept my payment. And I was like, I had to call them like, what's going on? Why are you not accepting my payment? They were like, ma'am, you made too many payments this month. And I was like, that's not a a bad problem to have. But Mm -hmm. that's how gung-ho I was about paying off my debt. I love that. And thank you for sharing it because you raised a couple of points. I'm going to recap for everyone. Zero-based budgeting, where you gave every single dollar you earned a purpose and you made sure that the money went to that purpose. And then you allocated money specifically for saving and paying down debt. So you intentionally put money aside for that and you tracked it. And then when you got extra money in the mail or through overtime, you also use that to attack your debt to the point where they were actually telling you you can't pay anymore, (laughs) which is pretty awesome. And more importantly, you realize that sometimes paying off debt may require you to sell some of the assets for whatever reason. Maybe you didn't want to live there anymore or it was more house than you actually needed But the bottom line is you said to yourself, hey, if I sell this house, I might actually be able to pay off the debt and walk away with some change like you did. Well, actually, what really happened was along this journey, I realized that the things that weren't serving me, I didn't need in my life. So when you really start budgeting, it really gives you a glimpse of your wants versus needs. And a budgeting, a budget is not like, it doesn't represent deprivation to me. It represents a spending plan and it represents a plan to spend money on things that are important to me. And that house no longer served me, neither one of those houses. So the first house that I sold was in Southern California. It was like, an, it's a condo in an old building with the condo association that was kind of defunct. The building was falling apart and yeah, I could have held on to it and I probably could have made a lot more money if I would have hold on, held on to it, because then, you know, they built up Inglewood. It was in Inglewood. So they built up Inglewood after that. But it wasn't serving me. 
but that hundred thousand dollars that it that it gave me served me mm-hmm. exponentially. And so just being intentional and actually knowing like what things you're bringing into your life that you're spending your money on actually builds you up, whatever. And that's going to be different from everybody, for everybody. Then at that point, these goals don't seem like you're sacrificing. It seems like it's self-serving, like you're doing this for yourself. And so that's what I, that's what I share. And that's what I teach people because everybody like groans, like, oh, budgeting. But no, it gives you so much freedom to live life on your terms. Absolutely. And I love the way you put it that way. So now you look at it from a mindset where you can appreciate that you've decided to give up this thing that's not really doing anything for you. And you benefited Mm -hmm. so much more. You had the momentum from paying off debt. You had a hundred extra thousand dollars to do something great with. You got out of debt a lot faster. So of course, others would have probably said, oh my God, you missed out on a real estate opportunity. But you were like, no, I got a much better opportunity. I'm debt free now (laughs) and I'm less headaches. Like who wants to deal with a defunct housing association and building that's falling apart? And you never know. It could have been worse. You could have tried to sell later and you wouldn't have been able to get a good buyer because the situation would have been worse. Condos are tricky like that. Some banks won't let you buy it if the association is not run well, or there are too many renters and not enough homeowners. So there's a lot of factors. So you probably got out just in time. Yeah. I feel like I was lucky. I feel like I was definitely lucky in my decision. So I don't regret anything. Awesome. Love it. (laughs) All right. So now we're going to pivot to what you do now. So your primary nine to five is a nurse. Thanks for being on the front lines. Hey. I know that babies have not taken a break just because of (laughs) COVID-19. No. So tell us, how long were you pursuing to be a nurse? Is that something you've always wanted to do? Or is that something that sort of came to you in college? You know what? I wanted to be a doctor. You know, when you're young, you kind of only see like doctors, lawyers, you know, firefighters, athletes, you know, like as career options, depending on where you grew up. But that for me, that was making it, right? So I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to work in a community health center because that's where I access care because my I grew up with a single dad and he um, never really had insurance for us. So we accessed community health centers. And so that was my thing. And then I went to college and I remember my freshman year going on a tour and um, one of the counselors saying, you know, you should consider nursing. And I thought it was a slap in the face because, of course, I went to USC. I was, you know, one of the 3% Black people. And I was like, oh, she's just saying that because I'm Black. And now, it, it, and so I was kind of insulted about nursing. But then I started taking my prereqs for pre-med. And now, I mean, my requirements for pre-med. And I was like, this is not for me. And I started, we, you know, t- doctors would come to class and I'd be like, that's what you really do? I don't want to do that. That does not sound like you're really serving people. You're not really helping the community. Sounds like you're just battling with insurance and companies all day. I was like, that's okay. And so I literally took my course catalog and went through it. And by this time, I was a sophomore. So I had already went through one year. My freshman year was the last year USC offered a nursing program. So that wasn't even available to me. So, um, yeah, but I wasn't even thinking that I was like, like trying to look through the catalog for any other medical career that I could have impact because like I said, my whole thing was access and serving the community. And then, so I found healthcare 
um, healthcare administration, healthcare policy. And so I ended up getting my undergrad degree in public policy and management with an emphasis in ambulatory care management. And then with that, once I graduated, I was offered a full scholarship to go on to a master's in healthcare administration, which I thought like I was going to I just like was setting myself up to open my own community clinic and like have this big impact. After I got my master's degree, I landed this like really prestigious fellowship in um, with Kaiser. Like, yes, I'm going to do it. And so then I ended up in this big bureaucracy mm. and realized that, and, and I was in administration and realized that this is not what I want. Even though I tailored it, I was like, I'm going to do finance so I know how to run the finances. I'm going to do member services so I know how to do that. Like I could craft it however I wanted to, but time and time again, it was just like I was playing this bureaucratic game and I wasn't doing what I <laughs> set out to do. And I hated it. And so I, at the, when the fellowship was over, you're naturally supposed to go into a job, like a middle management job in healthcare. And I could, I like, I had like, back, looking back, I had like a lot of anxiety, like almost a nervous breakdown about it. And I, and I couldn't find a job. That's the whole thing. I couldn't find a job, but I didn't think I was supposed to find a job. And I just told them when my fellowship was over that I decided to retire. I was 25 years old. And at that time, that was like heading into the first recession, the the recession that we had in 2008. And I was 25 years old. I had five houses across the country. And I told them that, um, and that netted about a million dollars. And, um, I was like, well, you know, I thought I was going to, my goal was to be a millionaire by 30, but I'm a millionaire at 25. And so I, I'm going to retire. Instead of retiring, what I did, I quit. I totally stopped working. I moved to Houston and I started taking prereqs for nursing school. I really wanted to go to Houston um, just because it was just a change of pace for me in California. And it was nice. I had a, a huge black professional community. Yes. Thank you. And so I was just like, I need to be here. Took my prereqs. Was there in Houston, loving it. Six months later, then my grandfather gets sick. I have to move back to California, end up moving in with him, then find out while taking my prereqs for nursing school that I got into one of the best nursing programs in the country, in San Francisco, which is right across the bay from where we're from. So everything happens for a reason. That's how I got into nursing. That's a long story. of how I got into nursing, but that's how I got into nursing. So non-traditional, I already had a master's degree. I got into an accelerated program. Um, I did that program for a year, got my nursing license and not get a nursing degree, and then ended up um, taking about three years because I got held back <laughs> to get my family nurse practitioner degree. So I'm actually a nurse practitioner, but I work as a labor and delivery nurse. I don't use my nurse practitioner license. I just use my RN. Okay. Okay. That, well, that's a good story too, though, because mm-hmm. there's different paths to the same career. Yes. And you took less traditional one, but you got to where you needed to be. You found ways to fund your education. So at least you didn't pay for it and get more debt as a result of that specifically. Um, but we know you had student debt from other reasons. So yeah. that's pretty dope. So tell me now, now that you're a nurse, now that you've made it and you're helping bring babies into the world, what are some of the benefits to your career? 
Do you have any flexibility? <laughs> so my job, especially, and again, I got lucky because I landed in Northern California and this, this is my home, but this is where um, like the top salaries in the world for nurses are. And it's just so much flexibility as far as like how much you can work, where, where you can work and how much you get paid. So um, when I was doing um, my debt payoff, I was working at two two jobs, which is not uncommon. And I was still working five days a week. So, you know, where any corporate job, you probably work about 70 hours a week, you know, grinding, working at home and all that stuff. I was working 48 hours a week. Okay. So a little over 40 hours a week, but I was working 40 hours a week and I was making about $230,000 doing that. So it was a lucrative career, but the flexibility comes in when I I decided that I didn't want to work like that. Um, I actually was in kind of like a toxic work environment. And I decided that instead of working there, I needed to speak out (laughs) about what was going on. And I decided to leave that organization. And doing that, like, I just decided out instead of working um, five days a week, I was only going to work six days a month. And (laughs) and then um, I was able to maintain one of my jobs. So I quit one job and then I was just working at, my other job as um, like in a per diem position. And then I moved to a different state. And because I was only working six days a month, I was able to fly in and out. It's like, it wasn't that far away. So it's an hour flight, fly in and out, work my shifts and then go back home and then be able to be with my family and grow my side business. That's amazing. Yeah. So six days a month, <laughs> you covered all your expenses. Yep, and then some. Flew to work and you flew back home. Mm-hmm. And you didn't mention this, but I know a little bit about you. Where you moved to was also lucrative in that it was a tax-free state. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So you yes. kept more of your income yes. <laughs> and worked less. Yep. The queen. I'll tell you, like, who does this? <laughs> Most people are struggling because they're like working six days a week. And you're like, no, I work six days a month. And right. I have time to take my kids to school, to be with them during the day literally structured your schedule so you could get your six days out of the way and then be done. Right. And the the thing about this is it sounds like, oh, that's like not replicable. That's like only you could do something like that. You know, um, X, Y, and Z would get in the way of me doing that. But that's why I have nurses on fire. (laughs) So I can share other stories of nurses that are doing it. So um, in the series that Aquania was featured in about like working as a nurse abroad, I had two different nurses on there talking about how one lives in Spain, one lives in East Africa. They both work here in the Bay Area and they're able to support their family and then some and fully fund retirement and everything by working just partial, a a little bit of the month, a few days a month. And so it's not just me. Nursing has so much flexibility. Even right now, even if I said, you know what, I want to just not work for a little while, take a six months leave of absence and, you know, go to Abu Dhabi or something like that and live for six months, I would be okay. And then I can come back and pick up my shifts or I can just reduce myself down to per diem again, come do my four shifts a month, fly back for a month and a half and then come back. It's just so many options and the salaries and the benefits are so good that even if you didn't do any of that, even if you started just like right now where you are and just committed to maxing out your retirement accounts for 10 years, you can be financially independent. 
So I love that. so much. I love yeah. that. And that's a great advice. Flexibility. So awesome career. Outside of the flexible schedule where, you know, you put in your time and now you can demand how much you work. Are there any other benefits you really love about your job? Do they fully fund or match your retirement funding or anything like that? Um, a lot of it is... Um, a lot of uh, nurses have benefits of working in government organizations that have 457s, so they can double their um, tax um, advantages. Um, so if you don't know, like with a 457, which is a der- deferred compensation plan, you can put the same amount of money into a tax, pre-tax, as you can put into um your 401k or four, it it comes with a 403b. So, you know, if it's $19,000 this year, you can put $19,000 in that. That's automatically $38,000 that is taken off of your income that is for you to grow later. And it's an early retirement tool because that separation, then you can access the um, 457 without penalty. You do have to pay taxes at that point, but it's without penalty. So that's money that you can touch before you are at standard retirement age. Um, The healthcare benefits alone make a big difference. Usually when you work for a healthcare organization, your benefits are superior than a lot of organizations. Like I know for a little while, I was on my boyfriend's insurance when we did move out of the state. And I think our insurance for our family was like $1,600 a month month for a family of three was $1,600 a month. This is like me being like before my other baby was born, $1,600 a month versus free what I was paying before, you know, (laughs) and, and, and the coverage was subpar, you know? So I think that that's a big advantage that we have. I think Uh, Most organizations try to do a good job of taking care of nurses. So we just have a lot of triggers that we can pull and use to our advantages. A lot of people have HSAs that we can use to do some tax savings in too. So, I mean, the, the salaries alone, even if you don't make a great salary in the state that you're in, the opportunity to do geo arbitrage is phenomenal. Downstairs, I have my coworker who lives in Houston, but she works in the Bay Area. Her, you know, her mortgage is like (laughs) the rent that I charge her here. (laughs) But she's able to make that in a day here versus, you know, in a month in Houston. So the opportunities are endless. Yeah. So you said a lot of things that I'm going to explain in the show notes, guys. Geo-arbitrage, moving to a different location that's cheaper than when you maybe are now so that you can save and earn more money and invest more money is one thing that you kind of went into being able to reach financial independence and retire early and utilize or access your 457 funds. A lot of people don't realize when you're saving for retirement, the traditional 401ks are accounts that are great. And if you put a lot of money in them, they work for you, but then you you can't access them until retirement without incurring some type of tax penalty or early access penalty as well on top of that. And so 457s are awesome in that. You can tap into them before 59 and a half and all you have to do is pay the taxes. So that's really dope. They're not open or available to everyone, but they are available for a lot of jobs out there. So if you're looking for a new job and you're comparing benefits, don't skim over that 457 option. That might be a great way to double what you're saving. Like Nasima said, $38,000 a year 
and you're also writing that off your taxable income is amazing. It's, mm-hmm. it's so amazing. And it can really help you make the difference between retiring in your 40s and doing something else that you really want to do versus retiring in your 60s um, and how much you're saving along the way. So thank you so much for sharing that with everyone listening, because I think that's really awesome. And then the flexibility that you have in your career and the other benefits. And I didn't even realize, I mean, it makes sense. Nurses have better healthcare access because you are in the healthcare system. I wish we all could say we all had that equal access and the ability to get the greatest healthcare. But it kind of made me think if I'm ever looking for a perfect partner, I have one now, but he's in the consulting world. But if you are looking for a perfect partner, it's not bad to consider someone in the medical industry. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) They might be able to really provide for you the best healthcare access that you need. So I am just so overwhelmed by the information you shared today. You went from paying off a million in debt to teaching people how to do it too. And now you're sharing your wonderful career and with others and teaching other nurses how they can build wealth. I want you to answer one more question and then we will conclude with you sharing how we can find you. So my last question for you is, what is your purpose for money? My purpose for money is to continuously unlock levels of freedom in my life and to show other people what's possible for them in their lives. My goal is to be as wealthy as possible because when I'm wealthy, I help other people become wealthy. I love it. Sharing is caring. I'll be right here when you're ready to share. (laughs) I got you, boo, all day. (laughs) Let's share the knowledge, share the wealth. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Nasima. Before we conclude, tell everybody, how can our listeners find you? On Instagram, Financially Intentional or Nurses on Fire. I have a great Facebook group. Uh, if you just search groups for Financially Intentional, and those are, and there's a Nurses on Fire Facebook group as well. Hang out with me there, DM me, whatever. I'm super accessible, super responsive, and I love to hear from you guys. So reach out. And I'll also put all your contact info in the show notes so you guys can connect. Make sure you check out Nurses on Fire. It's a podcast available on all platforms, especially Apple Podcasts. Check out our other episodes of the Purpose of Money podcast. We're on Apple and Spotify, hoping that you listen to your favorite episodes and share them. I hope you had a good time. Enjoy the conversation and the money tips. Make sure to keep spreading the word. We appreciate reviews. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Purpose of Money podcast. For more resources and information, check out my website, thepurposeofmoney.com. And while you're there, please sign up for our newsletter so you'll have the latest information on new episodes and blog posts. Until next time, keep building generational wealth one dollar at a time.